Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alleycast podcast. Work on rain, shine, or anything in between. We're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside Connor Balthazar. And the bad guys won. That's all I have to really say about like for the on top. The bad people won. The the horrible, no good, money grubbing <laughs> jerks down in Texas who ruined everything on this earth that is good and holy. Unfortunately, conquered the K State Wildcats, and uh, it's put us in the uncomfortable position of rooting for other Big Twelve schools, but. Before we get anywhere into that, the fortunately Texas beat K State thirty-one to twenty-four. There was a potential for it. It was thirty-four to twenty-seven. My bad. I lost the. Uh, yeah, I forgot the 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 two field goals each. Yeah, it was thirty-four twenty-seven. Um, I was looking right at it. How did I get there? <laughs> that kind of tells you where I'm at. But the. There was a potential game-tying drive at the very end, and it uh, unfortunately ended with an Adrian Martinez fumble. Um, we'll talk about that drive more generally. And th- this one hurts. This one this one genuinely hurts, and it hurts for a lot of reasons. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a lot of reasons to be upset about this game, and I think a lot of reasons have been lobbed out as the reason that the game was lost. And... I would seriously hesitate to say that there was a single reason that uh, this game was lost. I think there was a a host of things that caused this game to go south. Um, Just to name a few, and I'm sure that we will forget some in this episode. Uh, The first half run defense, frankly, the run defense, the entire game was not very good. They definitely got better uh, as they went uh, later, but it was especially bad in the first half. Um, then the offense down the stretch, the pacing was a little strange. Uh, we took a, probably a bit too much time on that field goal drive. Um, and then we do get the ball back. We force a big stop. Um, and then, uh, um, are moving down the field and, uh, Adrian uh, ends up fumbling and, uh, we were taking, we probably should have taken a timeout before that, uh, uh, that drive began. Uh, Chris Kleiman said in his post game presser that they were planning to take a timeout after that play. Maybe that's true, but regardless, I don't think that there was enough time to play with it like that. I think that they should have just taken the timeout after the first down on fourth and six to Deuce Vaughn. So I, I I'm, I'm, I'm pretty skeptical of the time management down the stretch. Um, and yeah, as we said, the defense was not very good. Um, Lee Knowles getting, uh, so at least was not on the field gonna, I think he was injured. Um, that, that was a big impact on the final drive as well. We saw RJ Garcia and then also Xavier Lloyd was on the field late in the game. Um, probably shouldn't have been in that position. Julius Brent's going out on like the fourth snap of the game, uh, was on a questionable targeting call. Just that was really backbreaking. So Jacob Parrish played a uh, pretty much the entire game uh, as the number two corner. Um, he didn't play horribly. Game. He just yeah, know, he, he was fine, really. True freshman, but that all of a sudden makes it to where the serviceable cornerback room is very thin because Omar Daniels only played a few snaps and got absolutely toasted on one of them. Um, 
offensive line, I think, wasn't awful. Pass protection was a little leaky on, on the right uh, on the right side. But really, I think the offensive line was better in the pass protection than people were giving them credit for. Um, run blocking wasn't phenomenal. Uh, then, yeah, just run defense wasn't great. Uh, interesting play calling at times. And then, I mean, we could also talk about uh, officiating was a little skeptical. It, it was interesting at times. Yeah, well... That, we'll get into that a little later, but yeah, yeah, and let, let's just go right into the the game day recap. I mean, first things first. We we always like to we always like to talk about the atmosphere. This really was a, a really good atmosphere, you know, throughout the, you know, the the first quarter whenever we were in the game, and then of course, you know, whenever you go down by as much as we did, you know, there was a little bit of a lull, but the back end of the game, whenever we got back into it. You know, it was it was right back to to being a great atmosphere. You know, in the first quarter, I could barely hear myself think. Like that's how that's how loud it was. Like I could, Connor was right next to me, and we were having trouble like having basic conversation. And that's that's that was good. That was great. It's a great atmosphere. But you know, obviously, we fell down a little bit, and back end of it saw another great atmosphere. But you know, only so much that you can do. Yeah, I, I was very happy with the atmosphere and how it started. Um, I don't blame the atmosphere for struggling a little bit while the team was struggling. I mean, I get it. I was feeling down too. And then, but then when the defense did uh, need the crowd to get into it, when they came over and like uh, um, beckoned the crowd to get back into it, they they yeah. did uh, uh, agree to that. Um, they were huge um, down the stretch. Um, there, there was a lot of excitement when things went well, still, even when things weren't looking great, uh, like the touchdown pass to Cade Warner, that was a big moment. Uh, that long run that ended up in a, uh, fumble by echo, which was just an absolutely excellent play that yeah. that got a great reaction. The Benson at hurdle, even though it amounted to very little, it was it still elicited a great reaction. So, yeah. The, the next point is the first half was not there. There's no real right spots to, to the first half. Like we, we scored 10 points total in the first half and ended up giving 31. The first half was not good in really just about any aspect. The second half, however, was considerably better. You know, we held this high power Texas offense and admit they were trying. This wasn't an example of them, you know, sandbagging towards the end. No, they were they were genuinely trying towards the back half, and we held them to three. But there are unfortunately some holes that you just can't dig yourself out of. And a three-score lead and giving up three scores going down 31 to 10, that's it's demoralizing. And you know, no moral victories, like no moral victories, but it is nice that we didn't roll over and die. You know, we still lost the game, so it doesn't matter, but you know, it, it is comforting to see that this wasn't a team that just rolled over. Because if the if the roles were reversed, um, yeah, Texas would have rolled over and died very quickly. Because it's not a team that can handle adversity very well. But, you know, second half was encouraging. First half was atrocious. Yeah, that, that was one of... Uh, that was probably the worst first half we've had since Oklahoma State last year. Um and this game honestly followed a similar script, except we were never 
as far out of it as we were against Oklahoma State. Um, like, like we always like we had we had a chance down the stretch uh, to get back in this game. Uh, we had uh, multiple chances, but um, uh, it was a uh, um encouraging second half, I guess. Um, happy that the def- that the yeah the defense adjusted, but still a big struggle. Um, Bijan Robinson, he got whatever he wanted most of the game. Yeah, which isn't too surprising, but still, it's really disappointing knowing how great this defense has been all year. That uh, in the biggest moment, they weren't able to uh, really rise up and kind of play uh, maybe above uh, where we might expect them to. Um, because I, I mean, Texas is an absurdly athletic team at every single position, uh, even if there are technical issues at times. They still are unbelievably athletic. Um, but yeah, I'm still very, very disappointing uh, outcome from this game. But uh, regardless of it, I'm happy that we didn't roll over, I guess, in the way that Texas probably would have. But yeah, but like I said, no moral victories. This is still a loss. Like just trying to, be nuanced and balanced in a, the analysis of the game, but yeah, just really, really, really frustrating loss because the there was a lot right there for the taking. Yeah. And we don't typically bring up the refs because, you know, it's it's one of those things that's like, okay, what are you going to do about it? But this was, I think, personally, one of the, the worst called games from a referee standpoint that I've ever seen. Uh, for for a couple of low lights, um, just check every single play that Felix was in. He was getting held. Check the screen pass to uh, their slot receiver on one play where Kobe Savage literally gets tackled on the outside. I think it happens to this in the second quarter. Eli Huggins getting called for holding as a nose tackle on a running play. That is the first time I've ever seen that. I'm like. I, I know technically it's the right call, but no one ever calls it because it's stupid and asinine. Uh, The missed face mask on Deuce Vaughn, that would have given us 15 additional yards and also saved us quite a bit of time. It was a pretty obvious face mask as well. Um, Those those are the ones that... Oh, oh, well, no, no, no. We'll see if you bring it up because there's one in particular on on a play that we would have scored on if it did not happen. Yeah, that's the exact one I was thinking of was the missed uh, pass interference on Phillip Brooks on a fourth down. Uh, that was, I felt like, really obvious. Um, he grabbed and, his face mask and turned his helmet around. He couldn't see. Yeah, the that, that was really interesting that he somehow missed that. Um, they they uh, were, were definitely playing way too hard. The, the, I'm getting because of the Texas defensive back uh, got beat. Um People were questioning the play call. I honestly don't have a major issue with going for the end zone on like fourth down from like the six or whatever it was. I have no issue with that. Um, I mean, at, at that point, you're pretty close to the end zone. Like it's kind of a wash on getting the two yards versus just going the extra bit and getting to the end zone. Um, I I was shocked that they didn't call it. I mean, not actually, but like, like you know what I mean. And I... That was another game-changing play. In the first half, we were, funnily enough, in this game, we sustained a lot of drives. 
Um, but we just weren't really getting anything out of it. And uh, we're just, we were not quite finishing that one. I don't put on the offense. I, I was really, really, really disappointed uh, with how that went. Um, and just a, a, a blatantly missed call. Um, I, I'm trying to rack my brain for others. I mean, you could probably call holding on about every play, but the ones on Felix were uh, particularly frustrating because it does happen every game and he never gets called for it. And I think a lot of it is because of his talent, uh, which is really unfortunate. Um, And yeah, then had the hold on Huggins. I could not believe when they said holding on Eli Huggins, like, because we were so happy. We thought they finally called a holding. On and they Texas. did, but and, and they did call a holding, just not on the team that we were hoping for. Um, just I don't, just not a night where many, if any, of the breaks went K State's way. Uh, this this feels like the sort of game where if one or two breaks are just break a little bit different for K State, then yeah, like they probably win the game. That's not an excuse, like because there are definitely some self inflicted errors as well that are really frustrating, difficult to get over. Uh, like uh, the poor clock management, um, but uh, it is what it is, I guess. But so now we can go into the stats. I believe you took defense last week, so I'll take defense this week, which means by process of elimination, you get to cover the offense. Splendid, splendid. Uh, so, Adrian Martinez. Uh, statistically had his um, if you look at pure box score probably his best passing day of the year sans the interception he went 24 of 36 329 yards and two touchdowns with the one interception at the end of the first half uh, which admittedly was a very bad interception Uh, his long pass was 62 yards that was a really great play uh, from Malik Knowles where he made multiple people miss and that was a really just excellent uh, run after catch Had his shirt torn. And then Adrian, uh, two sacks registered. One was pretty deep in our territory. The other, I think they're counting as the fumble that like rolled forward. Um, Running uh, Deuce Vaughn. uh, He has 19 carries for 73 yards, long of 11, averaging 3.8 per carry. Uh, Not a lot of real estate available for Deuce um, in this game, uh, rushing wise, Adrian had 14 carries for 52 yards and a touchdown averaging 3.7 per carry, uh, fumbled, uh, three times. I think, uh, was one of those being the one that rolled forward and then, uh, the game ending fumble. Then he had another fumble at one point that, uh, we recovered. Um, then DJ Giddens two carries for 14 yards, um, then receiving wise, uh, Malik Knowles had three catches for 93 yards that long 62, uh, Deuce Vaughn had his best receiving game of the year, uh, seven catches, 86 yards and a touchdown. I, I will say, I really liked how we incorporated Deuce Vaughn in the passing game, uh, this week where there was a very concerted effort to run a receiver, uh, up the seam tight end behind them and distract the linebacker and then bring in Deuce Vaughn behind them. Uh, so just kind of like a wave attack, uh, from, uh, the route tree. Uh, so I really liked what Deuce Vaughn uh, or how we were getting Deuce Vaughn open in the past game. That obviously gave us that big touchdown uh, in the first quarter. Uh, Cade Warner has continued his uh, probably like the, the best stretch of football that he has played in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, five catches, 52 yards and a touchdown. Uh, it was a touchdown to 
narrow it to a 10-point game, I believe. Uh, ben Sennett had another great game. Uh, three catches for 44 yards, long of 20, where he was just dragging people with him. Uh, then, of course, the the huge play where he hurdled someone. I did not know he could do that. And I didn't either. I I kind of saw him start jumping, and I'm like, what does he do? Oh. I know that that was an interesting skill move he unlocked in that moment. Uh, I hope to see it again. And <laughs> uh, Philip Brooks had three catches for 37 yards. RJ Garcia got his first uh, significant game action a while. He had two catches for nine yards, and Sammy Wheeler had a catch for eight yards. I think it was on like the first possession, and we didn't really he yeah, it was go on his a, way again. It was on a little scat route uh, that got like 10 yards on the first drive. But, yeah. you know, RJ actually played quite well. Like, dare I say, he did a good job, RJ. But I, all, I would I would wager that, yeah. In all seriousness, whenever he had to come in and fill in that that X role for Malik when he wasn't in that last drive, he didn't. You know, he did, he did quite well. There was another pass that he that uh was going to him that he had a lot of room to run with if it wasn't batted up at the line. But you know, RJ Garcia was separating, and you know, it's it's encouraging to see. But, you know, I, I think we figured out why he isn't getting a lot of that rotation. And it is just because those top three have separated themselves, which, you know, if at the beginning of the season, we were skeptical because we weren't really seeing the results. But, you know, but RJ, you know, he's a legit good receiver and he'll he'll be he's good this year. So he'll probably be pretty good next year as well. Yeah, he definitely needs to work on uh, strength probably a little bit, I think is his biggest thing. Just get a little bit stronger. Um, but I like what we're seeing from this far, uh, thus far, but he's still pretty young. So a lot of, a lot of room to grow for RJ. Yeah. needs to put on a little bit more weight if he wants to be an X receiver. Mm-hmm. But now we move to the defensive side of the ball. There were actually, funnily enough, two people with exactly eight tackles and one TFL each, and that is Kobe Savage and Eli Huggins. Uh, one, Eli Huggins registered a fumble recovery. Kobe Savage had that absolutely massive play where he just read it from the start on the that last second-to-last offensive drive for Texas. It was absolutely massive. <clears throat> yeah, huge. Yeah. Josh Hayes had seven tackles, one forced fumble, and a PBU. Austin Moore had six tackles. Felix had six tackles and probably bits of his jersey left on the field with how bad he was getting held. Uh, Sincere Mason had five tackles and a TFL. Brendan Mott had five tackles and a QB hit, which he detonated Quinn Ewers. Mm -hmm. Quinn Ewers stopped stepping into his throws towards the back end of the game because he did not want to get hit anymore. Yeah, (laughs) it was pretty rough. Yeah, uh, Drake Cheatham had four tackles. Daniel Green had four tackles. Khalid Duke, four tackles and a QB hit. Echo had three tackles and one hell of a punch to knock the ball loose from Xavier Worthy. Yeah, and that, that was excellent. Excellent, excellent play. Past then, uh, Jacob Parrish, Des Purnell, Nick Allen, Jalen Pickle all record exactly one tackle. And Jacob Parrish also had a clean lick at Quinn Ewers towards the beginning of the game. But, you know, it no sacks on the game. We got we got hits, we got quarterback hits, but we we didn't get any sacks, which I think a lot of that had to do with how much we had to respect the running game. It has nothing to do with Quinn Ewers being mobile, and it has very little to do with their offensive line. It has a lot to do with the fact that. Every single play, we can't 
we can't afford to guess because right? if they're running play action, well, they have the receivers to beat us deep and they've been running the ball well enough to where you have to play the run. And you know what? If you're going to pick one thing to shut down, always pick to shut down the run because everything else becomes predictable after that. Unfortunately, you, 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 we, no way around it. We gave up 290, 200, not 290, goodness gracious, 209 yards to B. John Robinson and another 62 to his backup, Roshan Johnson, for a total of 269 yards at 6.7 per carry. You don't win games like that. Not with this offense. Like you can win games if you have like Tennessee's offense, though maybe I shouldn't be saying that given how they just got waxed by Georgia and uh Stequavius Bennett the fourth. <laughs> but um <laughs> that's a that's a very deep internet that for all those zoomers out there. But yeah, it, you're not gonna win many games like that. And you know, credit to us, we clamped down at the, the second half, but you know, it, there are certain holes that we can't, you can't get in because you can't dig yourself out of. And whenever you put yourself in like, you know, five feet deep, you're pretty much guaranteed to get the six foot. But now with that out the way, also shout out Ty Zentner for being perfect on extra points and the like. Um, <laughs> not, nothing else that, oh, also shout out to him coffin cornering. That was great. Yeah, that was the a Legatron a, meme got to return. Yeah, that was a 61 yard punt. That was that was absolutely phenomenal. Probably one of the better ones of his entire career. Yeah, absolutely. But now we can go into the game day grade segment where we take a look at every single position, including coordinators, giving them a grade from F to A plus. F meaning they single handedly lost us the game, and A plus meaning they nearly single handedly won us the game. Let's start with the quarterback, and I know that this is going to be a controversial pick, and let me preface it by saying Will Howard does not win this game. Will Howard maybe loses it in a less frustrating way, is what I will say, because I don't think Will fumbles it as much as Adrian Martinez does. That being said, I don't think he fumbles it that much because I don't think he's looking to run as much as he does, and a lot of... Adrian's production and a lot of the offense production was based off of improvisation that Will does not have. The one thing that I will concede to you is that Will probably doesn't throw that interception to end out the second half. And Will maybe places uh, the wheel route a little bit better when it's up to up the sideline to deuce. And maybe he sees, he sees the field a bit better, but none of those would have been the difference. That being said, Adrian is not the reason we lost this game. I know it is extraordinarily frustrating when you see your quarterback fumble it three times and that one one of the fumbles results in you losing. I know it's frustrating that your last offensive series is, you know, was resulted in a pick in the first half. But this isn't a game that you can pin squarely on Adrian. He had a solid game from a college quarterback's perspective. I ended up giving him a flat C because to me, this is, it balances out to an average quarterback performance. Uh, Adrian Martinez in this game. Oh, by the way, while you were doing all of that, uh, I went and actually checked to see how much, uh, what, Bijan Robinson's rushing totals were for the uh, second half. He had 50 yards 
in the second half. So run the fence, really figured it out. I think he only had like two carries and more than 10 yards as well. Um, and multiple uh, carries for losses as well, which was probably not what I should have been doing while you were talking. But <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> but like, like, like we did talk about it so much. I was like, I should probably substantiate like the defense actually like being better against the run, <laughs> like with some with some evidence. That's um, a nice argument, Connor. Why don't you back it up with a sword? <laughs> I I don't think I will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Roshan Johnson was like fairly pedestrian in the second half as well. But anyways, uh, game day grades. Uh, I went with a C minus for Adrian. Uh, I consider giving him a C. Um, but yeah, I mean he really did do. His, his errors were massive and that's why his grade is low and it does ultimately balance out to like for me a bit below average just a little bit because he definitely was a big reason that we lost the game but he was not even close to being the only reason that we lost the game he was but a part of us losing um i, I gave him a c minus because uh yeah he fumbled three times lost the last one um, granted we shot, we shouldn't have run that play anyways, uh, partly because of the concept and partly because we should have called a timeout regardless. Um, yeah, I threw a really bad interception that gave Texas basically free points at the end of the first half. Uh, and that was not good at all. Um, but his legs were really good. He had some really nice clutch runs, uh, had a rushing touchdown, uh, um, passing touchdown to deuce really great throw to Cade Warner. Uh, granted, Cade was open, but still he had to split the safeties um, and then still um, was making some good throws, making some good plays. Um, and then uh, a good throw, I think of specifically was on the run to Philip Brooks. I have no idea how that ball got there. I truly had no idea where the ball went when the play happened. I had to watch the replay to actually see who caught the ball. I know, I know what you're talking about. We thought yeah, it was I could, picked. Yeah, I, I thought it was too because uh, I could hear somebody catch it. Like I heard it hit like gloves and pads and stuff. But I was like, I I, I, literally, I could not see that Philip Brooks was there. They said Philip Brooks caught it. Mitch said Philip Brooks caught that ball. And I was like, I do not believe you. <laughs> and then we saw a replay and like, Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, cool. He did catch yeah, that. Yeah, cool. He did catch that. But that sick. Good job, Phil. Yeah. And so, like, Adrian did have a lot of positives in this game, but when the moment arrived, he did make some big plays. Like, everybody, like, like we've been talking a lot about the fumble to end the game. To his credit, the play that happened right before that, that was Adrian making an excellent play. And it was extending a play and making a throw across his body to Deuce Vaughn right at the sticks for a first down. And then we hurry up and don't call a timeout, unfortunately. And then just things go bad after that. But I, so for, for a lot of the good that Adrian does, it gets canceled, uh, canceled out by uh, uh, just uh, recklessness at times. Uh, and then I, I, I kind of stand in agreement with you on Will uh, starting. I don't think we win this game with Will, and I don't think it's because Will would play bad. I mean, at the end of the day, Adrian didn't play defense. And if we hold, this is truly a game where if we hold Bijan to like 120 and a touchdown, like we handle a lot them. <laughs> yeah, like, like if he doesn't go for like 209 and like two touchdowns or whatever it was, 
then like we we stand a much better shot uh, at winning this game. But the defense, but they did eventually figure it out and buckle down. But it was probably too little, too late by the time that they did. Um, but it definitely is not an all Adrian thing. Uh, I understand people's frustrations um, with Adrian, and I'm not gonna like tell people to not be upset about it because uh i mean i am too um but and you can even be upset with adrian i i think that's fair to an extent because he he, he's kind of like the face of the offense the offense wasn't good uh for most of the first half well honestly they weren't even terrible they just weren't finishing and calls just weren't going our way and the adrian i i don't think much changes with will under center in this game other than we probably do play a bit cleaner of a game don't have to worry about the fumble late but then again adrian can also do things that will can the same way that will can do things that adrian can it's give and take uh, ultimately a lot of the big issues with this game come down to time management and defense even though quarterback play was a was a part but i've been rambling for a while uh, and there's no clear end in sight unless i cut myself off so we'll, we can move on yeah Next up is running backs, which is mostly Deuce Vaughn. I again, it's it's pretty much a standard at this point. I think the only week where they have gotten below an A, actually, never mind. There have been two. Uh, <laughs> there, yeah. I the running backs get an A. Deuce was a big part of what made the offense even, you know, functional, especially with his receiving talent. What's keeping them from getting an A plus? You may be asking. Well, there were a couple of times that, you know, Deuce missed an open hole, especially, you know, I, I would have wanted him to, you know, bust a few more runs outside and maybe take a little bit of a flatter angle whenever he's taking a handoff instead of running straight into the teeth of the defense. And DJ had, you know, he got a first down on a carry. I think it was like fourth and two or something. It was a big, it was a high pressure, high leverage down. And, you know, he got the first, he got what he needed to. But I, Connor and I said this at the time, Like I don't think DJ knows how good he can be yet because he's trying to mimic Deuce Vaughn's style of play by trying to juke people out their shoes, which, like, granted, he's not incapable of doing that, but he's not a jitterbug. So there was a time that, you know, his vision wasn't great. If he bounces it one gap over, he probably gets a touchdown. There's another time where he tries to juke out a safety when, honestly, if he bowls over him, he probably gets another, like, two or three yards out of that. But... The it's an A performance for me. Yeah, I gave running backs um, an A as well. I, I toyed with an A minus, but I ended up giving an A because I'm going back through the play by play chart, and I completely forgot about um, the uh, drive that started right after we um, after Josh Hayes borderline ended Xavier Worthy's career with a huge hit. <laughs> yeah. Um, very first play is a Deuce Vaughn run to the left for 21 yards and everything's great. But then Hayden Gillum gets a 10 yard uh, holding call as well as a 15 yard personal foul. That makes it first and 35. And then we immediately go right back to a Deuce Vaughn pass for 21 yards and then a personal foul right after that. Um, so uh, we, we negate it, but I mean, Deuce Vaughn, he did have a, a big play there that gets uh, negated. Uh, by a penalty that would have really helped out his uh rushing stats on the day which again it's just stats um but and then yeah like like, like you said in the passing game deuce Vaughn was huge uh he uh 
had that great touchdown uh, early in the game on our first drive. I And we went back to that kind of similar scheme at least once. Um, he had a huge clutch catch on that fourth down late in the game to extend the drive. Uh, he was huge. And then DJ Giddens was pretty solid as well and limited snaps. Uh, two carries, 14 yards, solid. But, I mean, yeah, an A for the running backs. They were they were very good. Deuce was very good, I should say. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Next up is receiving receivers. And, um, they, you know, they, they played well. They played quite admirably. They were getting separation. It's just, you know, it feels like there were times that we should have been looking their way and they just – they don't have outside of the play to Malik. Well, that's not true. I ended up giving them a B plus, and there are a lot of reasons why. But if I had to pick one reason in particular, it's that a lot of those plays, a lot of the big plays that they had, it just kind of seemed like okay, well. I don't know where I'm going with this, honestly. I, for some reason, B plus just sounded right. It, I, I could tr- I could keep trying to justify this, but I will instead just say it came to me in a dream. And <laughs> they separated well. They played well. It's just I wish they separated a little bit better in more high leverage situations, so that way it wasn't immediately obvious we were going to be going to deuce. But that's pretty much all I have to say on it. Yeah, I gave the wide receivers a B in this game. They have definitely been a lot better the last few weeks than they've been all year. Uh, Malik had a good game. Um, He did fumble that one time. Luckily, Benson exists, so it did not matter. Um, Cade Warner had another really good game uh, with that um, nice touchdown. Um, And then Phillip Brooks was good. I liked seeing RJ Garcia on the field. Uh, And then Xavier Lloyd got some snaps, too. Um, he was never targeted as I recall, but he did get snaps, uh, late in the game. And I, I, I felt like they were generally pretty good. Uh, they were, they were getting open for the most part, uh, to allow, um, uh, for Adrian to have a, a, a larger window for the throw to be made. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they, they weren't like absolutely phenomenal and uh i mean like you can always ask more uh from uh from the receivers but i'm I'm mainly interested in seeing if maybe we see a bit more of rj going forward i'm interested to see the status of malik Knowles because he's in the middle of having a really really good season uh he's got 540 yards on the year uh right now so i'm hoping that we get to see more of him uh before it's all said and done but we'll see yeah i if Malik is hurt long term, first that just kind of fits his career mo at this point. But it would be a massive loss for this offense because you know going down our our depth chart at X, uh, you have R.J. Garcia who took snaps immediately afterwards, Xavier Lloyd, Jaden Jackson somewhere on Earth presumably, but I. We need that X receiver back, like bad. But next up is tight ends fullbacks, who honestly, I think this is probably outside of Oklahoma, the best game for the tight ends fullbacks that they've had this year. And a lot of that is Ben Sinnott just choosing, like 
times that he's going to be the most clutch player on the field or at least be a spark plug or at least the thing that prevents us from blowing ourselves up like when he you know recovered the fumble but I ended up giving them a B plus because I I did I expected zero from them blocking but they actually blocked pretty well and shout out Christian Moore for assassinating two people on two different plays once on special teams and once on a, a QB power where he just flattens some guy. <laughs> yeah, they they block pretty well, at least the ones that I expect to block at a pretty high level. So, Sammy, I'm sorry. No disrespect to you, but that's not your game. You're a receiving tight end. But I ended up giving them a B plus. I I was happy with the tight ends and fullbacks performance. I actually ended up giving them an A minus uh, for this game. And it's almost exclusively because I couldn't live with myself not giving them an A minus for the game where Benson hurdled a guy. Uh, <laughs> so uh, the the moment I saw that, I resigned to giving myself or to giving them an A minus. Uh, but Benson in, in particular had a really excellent game. Um, he uh, had not just that catch; he had a couple others. Uh, like he had a um. ACU and I talked about it a lot. Uh, he had a big like twenty yard grab on like a dagger route mm-hmm. uh, early uh, in the in the uh, third quarter, I believe. Um, and that might have been the same play as uh, the one where he carried people for a first down. I don't recall exactly, um, but he was really good. Wheeler had a catch early. That was really it that we saw in the passing game for them. But Senate was really good. He had that big recovery. Malik Knowles' fumble. And we ended up getting points out of that drive, so it was really big. But an A minus for me for the tight end fullbacks. Yeah, then shout out Christian Moore for that huge block on the first kick return. Which uh, side note, we don't grade the special teams, but the kick return unit had a really rough day outside of their very first kick return. Yeah, um, they were just letting people through like it was nothing. Uh, that's a separate conversation, though. Yeah. Next up is offensive line, and this is one week where I wish we kind of graded the blocking separately from pass blocking and run blocking, because if we were judging them purely off of pass block, they did pretty well. They'd get like an A, and you know, also shout out to Adrian's pocket awareness, because that was actually really good as well. But Adrian was getting plenty of time in the pocket, and when they did send additional pressure, they, were made, they made sure to redirect it in a way that they left an avenue for escape for Adrian. Then the run blocking happened (laughs) and the run blocking was not great. It was, it was not great. The entire game it I'd say the best it ever got was passing, not good passing. The worst it got was atrocious. Plus there is, you know, a couple of costly penalties. I, I still don't know what Gilly did. To this, I I still don't know. No one ever, like, they never showed a replay of it. I think this was the play either before or after Deuce got like tossed like a ragdoll on the opposite sideline to us and they just didn't call it. So, you know, I take that for what you will. But I ended up giving the offensive line just a flat B because I do value pass blocking more than run blocking. But, you know, it's it run blocking is so important. So, B. Yeah, I gave him a B too. Um, I, I I felt like they did pass block really well. Cooper BB in particular, of course, did really excellent in that regard. 
Uh, KT Levison did a pretty good job pass blocking as well. I don't remember exactly what play it was, but there's a play in the game where on a pass block, he just absolutely disintegrates um, one of the Texas defensive ends because he was kind of like trying to split BB and Levison, which was not a good idea. But Levison didn't have anyone on him. So it was just BB and then Levison just, I, I think KT was just bored, honestly. So he just went and just like pushed him over. <laughs> like it was nothing. <laughs> but KT is... He is really, really, he's really been great at left tackle, and it's been so huge being able to move BB inside. Uh, so that side of the line honestly had a pretty good game. Uh, I still, yeah, like I said, I still have no idea what Gilly did, honestly. Um, and we probably never will. I mean, they may have showed it on the broadcast, honestly. So if there's an answer to that, I'd love to hear it. Uh, but they didn't really show it in the stadium. We were left confused because they called a holding and a personal foul on him on the same play. Uh, which is such a shame. Rough, rough snap for Gilly. Rough snap. Yeah, especially because that was a, a big gain for Deuce Vaughn as well. We ended up getting a touchdown on the drive regardless, but it was saved a little time. Um, then uh, Duffy was not noticeably awful or anything. He was okay. Um, Panzer struggled. Uh, KT had a, those back-to-back fault starts. I think Duffy had a fault start as well at least once. Mm-hmm. Um but for the tackles, it's kind of that's kind of been like the problem spot for false starts this year. I don't know if there's any reason for that. Um, Hadley Panzer um, was a, was fine in run blocking, not very good in pass block though. He's definitely the weak link uh, in that regard. Uh, just getting pushed back a few times, uh, which as a really 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 athletic offensive line, I don't envy his job. But um, pass blocking was pretty solid, honestly. Run blocking not really great for the most part. Um, eh, just fine, but they get a B overall, uh, just, just barely though. Yeah. Moving on to the defensive side of the ball, starting off with the defensive line, they didn't register any sacks, but they were also like, here, here's the story. They didn't register any sacks. Why didn't they register any sacks? Well, because they were getting mugged for their lunch money the entire game. (laughs) They... They were quite literally getting ran for their foams, not because they were not because they were getting dominated, but because quite literally they were grabbing their foams and trying to yeah. rip them out of their shoes. I, 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 it was so difficult, but their first half performance against the run, it was a lot of, you know, just getting taken advantage of with the over aggression. I, they ran a lot of counter. It came back to bite us. So I ended up giving them just a flat B because they put it together. And Eli Huggins quietly had a really, really good game, despite the fact that he got called for holding. <laughs> I will never understand. Somehow. That. But I ended up just giving them a flat B because no real big impact. But, you know, their play in the second half was solid enough. Yeah, I gave him a B as well. Um, yeah, and like you said, Eli did have a really good game. Uh, Texas really struggled to run the ball up the middle or when Eli Huggins correctly guessed which way the ball was going. Um, but when they were able to take Huggins out of the play, they had a lot uh, easier route because um, they were generally able to kick out the end. And then the linebackers just had a really rough day uh, trying to stop Bijan. Um, so I gave them a B, um, pass rush wasn't bad at all. 
for the most part, but they just didn't ever get home. They did absolutely detonate Quinn Ewers a handful of times. Uh, Khalid Duke and Brendan Mott specifically come to mind as people that had a personal vendetta against uh, Quinn Ewers in this game. It seemed. Mott was mad. I don't yeah. know what. But yeah, Felix was getting held for majority of the game. I don't blame Texas for that. I mean, I'd do it too. But you're not going to get called for it. Like at, that's the tact. That's the right decision. There's no yeah. honor in warfare. Like you're just like if hey, if it takes you, like if they're not going to call you out for cheating, sure, I, I'd do the same thing. <laughs> you're yeah. stupid if you don't. No, yeah, like I 100% agree. Um. It's frustrating it was not called or enforced at all. Um, but that's just life for Felix at this point, honestly. Um, he he will just have to continue to find ways to get past it because until anyone is going to like actually call the holds on him, there's not much he can do in that regard. But a, a B for me for the defensive line. Next up is the linebackers, who, despite Daniel Green coming back, I thought was probably the weakest part of this defense. Because a lot of the... I know that there was a... Oh, goodness. Yep, this is the time to go on this tangent. I know that there was a lot of angst about, you know, oh, we were getting taken advantage of because we run a 3-3-5. That is a fundamental misunderstanding of, like, that's just blaming it on something that you... I don't want to be like a jerk about it, but blaming the scheme specifically for this one, it's kind of disingenuous. (laughs) A lot of it falls to the linebackers because the the, the one thing that is true is that the 3-3-5 forces the linebackers to be assignment sound. Unfortunately, this game, they they weren't. And when they were in the running game, it didn't really matter because they weren't getting squared up fully to B. John Robinson, which being fair, yeah, that's like the best running back in the country. So that that's tough to do. It's not an easy ask, but they just, the linebackers were so pedestrian like on, during the game. They weren't playing particularly assignment sound in run defense. When they were asked to cover it, cover, which was admittedly a few times, they weren't getting to their proper spot as quickly as they needed to in a zone, in a system that really prioritizes zone coverage. You know, I it it was a this game is honestly probably the worst performance the linebackers have had, and it's such an anomaly. I ended up giving them a C minus because you know, they weren't like. They weren't atrocious, but they weren't good. And it's so weird to say that. Yeah. Um, I was really disappointed with the linebackers in this game because I was hoping the return of Daniel Green would uh, bode good things uh, for the, uh, the defense. But just as a whole, the linebacker room was not very good uh, in this game. Um, they, the only thing you can say is that when they got their hands on Bijan, they generally were at least able to slow him down, or at least like when they were able to like really get like into a form tackle with him. But a lot of times that wasn't the case. I ended up giving them a D plus for this game, which is probably the lowest grade that I've given them in a very long time. Cause this was a game that I think we knew the linebackers really needed to step up. And that just was not the case. Um, when, 
uh, in, in this game. They really didn't step up at all. Um, it came down. And even when we did finally have our big run stop uh, late in the game, that was Kobe Savage and he's a safety. And just they Austin Moore had a couple of nice plays. Daniel Green made a, a few tackles here and there. But all in all, it was a pretty weak game uh, for the uh, uh, for the linebacker core, which I hate saying because I really like a lot of the linebackers on this team. But I mean, Bijan was just too much to handle for them. So uh, D plus for me. Yeah. Next up is defensive backs, which is another one of those weeks where I could have separated it into the different position groups of safeties and corners because they would have gotten vastly different grades. But I ended up giving them a B minus because they had a couple of really impactful plays. However, <laughs> they had a couple of play. You know, Drake Cheatham getting beat over the middle by Jatavian Sanders. That's really a shame. That's a mismatch. We don't have anybody outside of Julius Brents, which that targeting call was beyond questionable. So, no, we had no one that matched up really well with Jatavian Sanders. Drake Cheatham was doing his absolute best. But the thing that upset me the most was the majority of Quinn Ewers' deep completions were because of the exact same mistake. It wasn't necessarily because we were getting cleared out on deep balls to the sideline. Most of his completion, most of his deeper completions were to the sideline. And the main reason why was because the corner responsible for playing that zone kept going either too shallow or kept playing too far inside. That happened to us twice in the red zone. And it happened to us a third. No, it went red zone, which was a touchdown. And then middle of the field at like the 40 on a on an out, like a deep crossing route, which fine, whatever, that happens. But then the third time it happens in the red zone again. And that is so unbelievably frustrating to watch something that, like, you know they're not coached to do that. You know they are coached to cover that part of the field and not bite that far down or that far in. How do I know this? Because I have watched this defense the entire season. They're not coached that way. And they kept doing it during the first half. They put it together in the second half, but it, it was almost to that point, you gave up two scores and a really big play because of that one mistake. And it's a mistake of discipline. So I ended up giving them a B minus. I'm with a B plus for the defensive backs. Um, the... The issue that you talked about, I did consider, and the way I was able to rationalize it is almost an overcorrection mentally by uh, a guy like Echo Boydo. Uh, remembering the 2020 game where we just got absolutely slaughtered over the middle uh, of, the, of the field, which that's not his responsibility. So I don't know why that would be, but I, I, I think that they were just really wanting to keep the middle of the field closed in that regard, but Again, yeah, Echo was definitely playing too low or too far inside on a lot of his zones. The safeties, though, had a really nice uh, day. Guys like Kobe Savage and Sincere Mason made splash run defense plays. Uh, Sincere had one of the few really big uh, um, plays where he came crashing down uh, and was able to sift through the trash and made a really nice uh, tackle. Uh, and I... It, 
it was nice to see that it was a reprieve from Bijan getting whatever he wanted. Josh Hayes forcing that fumble was huge. He had a pass breakup early. Uh, Kobe Savage obviously had a massive tackle for loss. Um, Jacob Parrish is, is uh, credited with a QB hurry. And then also that fumble recovery that was forced by Echo Boydo. So they did make a lot of splash plays. And even though they weren't great, they still held Wonder Boy Quinn Ewers under 200 yards passing the ball uh, with an absolute stable of weapons. Granted, a lot of that is because Bijan Robinson was working, but it's not that's not the defensive back's fault. Uh, they all in all stepped up to the plate in coverage with a few exceptions. Uh, Xavier Worthy did Xavier Worthy things. His yardage was not incredible. Honestly, he stayed well below what I thought he would get, but he had two touchdowns. So you there's give and take there. But I ended up with a B plus for the defensive backs. Yeah. Next up is offensive coordinator Colin Klein, and there was a lot of angst about Colin Klein, Uh, starting with that fourth down play call where he goes to the end zone. I understand it. I'm neutral towards it. Like, I understand why he did it. It's fine. The, The last play, I don't take issue... I understand what Kleiman was going for and not calling the timeout. Do I think he should have called it? Yeah, but I get it. What the main thing I take issue with is we ran four verticals against a defense that is infinitely more athletic than us at like the 30. Huh? <laughs> like that, that just seems like it seems like an oversight to me, but there were. Times that Colin Klein schemed guys open up very well, and he made very good play calls. But there were an equal amount of times where he just didn't want to go away from that inside running game. He kept running into the teeth of the Texas defense, and you can't do that. And he knows that. Like, there's no way he doesn't know it, but he thought, you know try to wear them out over the middle and try to open the middle in the passing game. I get that, but it was just so inconsistent. It was like a drive by drive thing. He'd have a really good drive and then he'd have an okay drive, but bounces out to a C plus for me. That's exactly what I gave Colin Klein uh, was a C plus. Um, I don't put the lack of a timeout on him. That's not his call. So not upset with Klein. That's a Kleiman thing. And that's kind of been the biggest gripe with Kleiman over his tenure is in clutch situations. He's not a really great time manager, but honestly, as I continue to watch more football, I've kind of come to find out that like 95% of college football college, and football coaches in general are not good at managing the clock. Aranda's <laughs> worse. And that's the weirdest thing is that Dave Aranda is like an elite coach in every single level, but he's a, Terrible clock manager. Yeah. Andy Reid is not a very good clock manager. That's been the biggest grave with him in KC. He's granted he has gotten better, but yeah. he, <laughs> he was especially bad for a very long time at clock management. But I mean, so I mean, that's not an excuse for Chris Kleiman not being good at clock management because he, he he's just not very good at it. Uh, but Colin Klein, uh, yeah, some game, some of the drives he looked really good. Like our first drive, I, I I really liked what we were going for, and I really 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 liked our play design uh, to Deuce. Um, I I thought it was really excellent. Uh, where we we had like multiple clearouts, and then Deuce coming in behind, so you have like a natural blocking uh, going on there too. 
uh, it, it, it was really a, a really nice and well done drive. Um, and yeah, the rest of the first half, uh, we kind of had some good things going, honestly, uh, but um, just weren't able to really capitalize. Um, like we um, get that long drive, get all the way down to the four of Texas and uh, end up taking the field goal, make it 14 to 10. And then it really goes downhill from there. Uh, like a big sack and then a three and out uh, fumble. And then uh, not quite able to do anything. Uh, the, a missed pass interference on fourth and two from the Texas 16. I, I don't hate going to the end zone there. I actually kind of like it. Um, but again, there was a missed call there. And that's probably what Klein was going for was throw up a 50, 50 ball and try and get a pass interference call. Philip Brooks probably isn't the guy I would pick to do that. No. I would probably go with Malik there, but it should have been pass interference regardless. So I've, I'll let bygones be guy be bygones on uh, who he picks through the ball there. Yeah. Um. But all in all, it really does balance out to a C plus from Colin Klein. Uh, yeah. A lot of people bagging on Colin Klein, but that's the life of the offensive coordinator. When you win, he's the greatest guy on earth, and he's phenomenal. When you lose, it's all in the OC. Whatever. He was fine this game. Really. Uh. We left points in the field uh, multiple times, so I. That is what it is. And then Adrian Martinez throws a interception. And that was definitely not Colin Klein's fault. Uh, so uh, that's a play where Adrian waits a second. And yeah. And he could have waited a second. He had a very clean pocket on that play. He just rushed it. Um, but yeah, C plus for Colin Klein. I, I've, I'm rambling a little bit about him, but he was fine. Not, yeah. not phenomenal, not awful, just basically fine. average. Yeah. So next up is Klanderman, and this one is another one where we've seen a, a lot of angst on Twitter, which, granted, any day that ends in Y, you have a lot of angst on K-State Twitter. But <laughs> I, if you're going to the first half, he gets like a, like a D plus because sometimes it wasn't his fault. Like you can't, like he can tell the linebackers to fill their holes, which he, I almost guarantee you he was doing. Also pause, but... <laughs> I think he, he can tell them to do that. Doesn't always mean they're going to execute. That's fine. Sometimes the corners are going to bite too far inside. That's fine. I, I, it, a lot of it was like, okay, well, you guessed wrong, which is unfortunate, but a part of being a DC. Un- that would give him a D plus for the first half. Then the second half happens, and he's like, all right, time to put on the big boy pants, and then just pulled out an A performance for the second half. Say what you will, the defense has been good at making adjustments whenever they've needed to this year. But to me, it balanced out to a B, you know, above average game, mostly for the second half performance and how ugly it truly could have gotten. Yeah. Yeah. I I gave him a, I gave him a B as well, which felt weird when I gave it. Uh, but yeah, the defense really did buckle down, uh, in the, uh, in the second half, uh, they, they had a great game, uh, in the second half, Bijan Robinson was still Bijan, but significantly limited compared to how he did in the first half where he, I mean, he only had about 50 yards in the second half. Um, and the defense, they did let it get out of hand in the first place, which they deserve 
flack for that. But they, in a way, were also kind of the reason that we got back into it. So it's it's weird to give them a B for a game where they're kind, or to give Klanderman a B, I should say, where the defense is partially the reason that we lose this game, while also partially being the reason that we get back into it. Um, a lot of that is, like Ace said, just kind of the balancing act of uh, what worked and what didn't. Um, but, I mean, the the offense had their opportunities as well to to figure it out. But Klanderman's halftime adjustments were excellent in this game, uh, but just not quite enough. Yeah. Now we can go into answering pregame questions. We'll do this kind of quickly like we normally do. Uh, who starts a quarterback for K-State, Adrian? Uh, does the environment match last week? At points, it was better uh, mm-hmm. or equal, but the lull in the middle of the game kind of meh. Uh, can the defense maintain its insane play from these last few weeks? No. Um, they had a little bit of a, a sleeper half in the first half. Second half was good. Uh, who wins the turnover battle? It was net zero because they turned the ball over twice. We turned it over twice. Yeah. Uh, can K-State's D-line make Ewers uncomfortable? Yes, he stopped stepping into his throws at the back end of the game. Uh br- Brents didn't win any reps. Fun fact. Brentson Echo versus Worthy, who wins more reps. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) How does K-State plan to play against the running game brought by Bijan? Well, they didn't. They didn't. Well, for the the first half. Yeah. That's the the pregame questions. Now on to MVPs. Uh, we'll start off with the offensive side of the ball. Connor, you can go first since I just kind of ganked the entire pregame uh, segment. You can go first for both sides. Yeah, so I weighed this very carefully. I seriously considered giving this to Ben Sinnott for the hurdle, but I have elected to make a semi-serious pick instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm rolling with Deuce Vaughn for this one for having uh, probably the best all-around game. Uh, I'd give it to Adrian if it weren't for the two turnovers. Yeah. The serious answer is Deuce. The The answer that I really want to go with is Ben Sinnott, just because the fumble recovery, you know, how he acted as the spark plug whenever he, he made the hurdle. But the objectively correct answer is Deuce Vaughn. Yeah, Ben no doubt. You can go first with defense since I stole the entire pregame questions as well. Fair. Um, defensive MVP... Tough to pick just because it was a really rough game for a lot of defense. I will tentatively say uh, Kobe Savage, primarily because I think he made the biggest defensive play of the game uh, with the uh, tackle for loss and giving the offense one last shot uh, to come back. Uh, There's plenty of guys you could probably pick that at times had uh, a pretty significant impact. Um, like Echo or Josh Hayes or even Felix. Um, but I'll, I'll say Kobe Savage for now. I'm going to go quietly with Eli Huggins because, you know, whenever he was on his game, it was completely different. There was noticeable differences from when D. Hens was on the field and when Eli was on the field. Not because D. Hens is bad, but because Eli Huggins was that good this day. So I'm, I'm going to go with Huggy Bear. Next up is takeaways. Uh, Texas still has talent. Who's surprised? 
Not me. <laughs> yeah, no, no one should be surprised. Texas, Texas got bailed out by high end talent, and you know, you say what you want about the referees. Yeah, there were questionable calls. This is still a game K State lost. Don't go looking for for boogeyman that we can't control anything about. That's what losers do. And you know, you can lose a game without being a loser, but you can make yourself a loser by blaming things that are out of your control. God, I sound like a football coach when I say that, but it, it, uh, it's, that was the most coach speak thing that's ever been said on the Aggieville. <laughs> well, the thing is, I I truly believe that you're not wrong. Truth, you're not like, wrong. Like, right. Well, like I don't disagree with what you said. It just it, it is coach speak, though. Yeah, it, it is coach speak. But you have the next point. Yeah, uh, we can dig ourselves out of holes, but just not a chasm. And I, I, I think that's pretty apt. Uh, just, I mean. Going into half down 21 when it should have been at worst 14, uh, that made it really difficult. When that happened, my my heart sunk. I was like, we would have to match the biggest comeback in K-State history to win this game. And I I'm, I was pretty skeptical of that. We had our opportunities, though. We had our opportunity to the defense gave us a fair shot in the second half. And the offense, honestly, at times was giving us a fair shot, but just not quite able to dig ourselves out. If we, if Adrian doesn't throw that pick uh, to end the first half, we might be telling a different story right now based on how the defense uh, was able to lock it down. But hey, we never know. Yeah. Next up is there's no one thing to blame this loss on, which. I know that a lot of people look for boogeyman. A lot of people look for something to point towards, whether it be the referees, whether it be Adrian Martinez, whether it be the offensive play calling, whether it be the defensive line, whether it be the fact that we're running a three, three, five, whether it be the fact that Julius Brent's got taken out of like the fourth snap of the game, whether it be, you know, B John Robinson being the best running back in the country. Those are all things that, you know, you can. They There's all not a single it. invalid excuse or no. reason there. And at the end of the day, that that liter- that's just analyzing a loss. Like, like those are just factors that played a, a like a part in the loss. Like I, I said, excuse. That was a poor choice of words because <laughs> those aren't excuses. Like those are reasons. That, those are those are simply reasons that K State lost the game. Both self-inflicted, the other team being good, and things out of their control. And if you want to properly analyze a loss, you have to look at uh, anything that played a significant role in it. And there were many things that played a very small role. There were things that happened at critical junctures that definitely are magnified, like the late Adrian fumble, like Adrian's pick at the end of the first half, uh, like Bijan running for like 150 in the first half against us, all sorts of stuff. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of reasons that K-State lost this game. Um, and in a way, it made me not feel as awful. I felt really bad about this really hurting our shots for Arlington. But there there were a lot of very like rational reasons that K-State lost this game. And fixable errors and things to improve on going forward. And a lot of Texas-specific things that we won't have to deal with for the rest of the year. So... Uh, th- there's not another B. John Robinson in this conference, which makes me very happy. <laughs> I don't want to deal with that ever again. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to see him ever again. But yeah, I don't so. want to deal with Commander Cornball anymore. 
I, I firmly agree, sir. <laughs> I don't want to deal with the Russell Wilson of running backs, but I that's a more apt comparison in a lot of ways. But finally, wait, no, this is yours. Yeah. Um, our destiny for now is out of our hands, which is uncomfortable. But next week we will be TCU fans begrudgingly. I'd really rather not be. But we don't have a choice. I don't. I don't hate TCU. I, I. I think at one point, whenever we did the, the questions, it was like, you know, friends, enemies, and like friends, rivals, enemies. I think I put TCU, Texas Tech, and Okie State in friends. I have TCU. I had TCU as a friend, but they're teetering on no longer being friends with yeah. with how their fan base has been during this win streak. Like don't get me wrong, I'd probably be unbearable if K-State was doing really well too, but I don't know. I'll I'll tell you what, if they go a week without hurting a quarterback, then I'll change my tune. But they did that it was West Virginia. <laughs> JT Daniels is basically already injured. But <laughs> by by virtue of having to play like on that team. <laughs> I, Neil, Neil Brown is his coach. That is an injury in and of itself. Yeah, but, actually, you know what? That's a good point. But they, they took they took pity on him. If anything, yeah, there. This is it, it is an uncomfortable situation where, you know, our destiny is out of our hands, and we're put in the uncomfortable situation of, you know, we have to root for TCU next week. Which honestly, I don't. I I've known people and know someone that is still well. We both do. We, we know someone who's on TCU. So, you know, that makes it slightly easier. We should to... ask him if they're injuring the quarterback. I'm joking. <laughs> Don't do yeah. that. Yeah. Let, yeah. Let's see how he responds. But uh, <laughs> he just says, yes. <laughs> All you right. heard it here first. That TCU explains a lot, bounty. actually. <laughs> it's TCU bounty game. But um, I don't actually believe that. But it is strange. It's happened six times. Seven if it, you're counting well. But yeah. I... It's uncomfortable to have to root for another school, especially one that's beat you before. And it's going to be even more uncomfortable because I will have to justify after we hopefully beat Baylor, I'll have to justify rooting for Dave Aranda really hard to beat Texas. And then, oh God, who am I going to root for? Texas KU. That's a, I simply wish. Meteor. Meteor. In a, in a Texas KU game that happens yearly, the only thing I ever wish for is chaos to ensue. If nothing else, I want to be entertained. I, I treat myself as if I'm like the Emperor of Rome at the Coliseum, like with some gladiators taking on some lions. Do I really care who wins? Not at all. I really just want there to be something entertaining in front of me. <laughs> That's fair. It's an apt analogy. But yeah, I it's uncomfortable. You know, but control what you can control and, you know, to, to go back to the, the coach be control, what you control the standard is the standard got to win every single day. You know, we're, we got to go one and oh, every single day, pound the stone, empty the tank. Uh, How many the, other uh, slot receivers, my favorite player. There's no particular reason why there's. <laughs> Well, that's not that's not very coach speaky of you. <laughs> no, no, you're picking favorites publicly. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. So any any last words on this Texas game other than that hurt? Uh 
No, I don't. I'm ready to put this in the past. Uh, next week is either Fox or Fox Sports 1. Day of this gets released, uh, we will know for sure. I'd imagine it's going to be Fox Sports 1 probably since we lost. But Baylor did win, so we'll see. We will see. But yeah, next week is Baylor in Waco at 6 p.m. So obviously still keep supporting the Cats. Don't don't give up on this team because, you know, we're not dead yet. We just need a little bit of help. And uh, we have to we have to talk to the the Horned Frogs down south to help us out a little bit. Maybe we can uh, become a religious school for, you know, two weeks at a time, form a pact with TCU and, and Baylor to, to knock out the greater enemy <laughs> of the evil that is Texas. Does that require <laughs> us becoming a religious school? I, well, actually... Surely there's easier ways to accomplish this. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe, maybe you know... Uh, well, no, no, there is a Texas is objectively evil, so you don't really need to put a religious slant on it. But <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, that pretty much wraps up this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. If you want to follow or contact the show, you can follow us on Twitter at Aggieville Cats. That's capital A, capital A and capital C and cats. If you want to email us, we are Aggieville Alley Cats at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on a more personal note, I am at ACEdward00. I am at Connor Bouncesor, capital C, capital B. And if you want to support the show financially, please be sure to check out the official Aggieville Alley Cats merch store, where you can find such designs as the staff-approved Doom Tank Clan, Play Sandstorm Cowards, and Neon Alley Cats. But most importantly, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Or come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats.